Hello and welcome back to Xavier Newswire Live, the radio show that will catch you up on all of the Xavier news from Ledgewood Drive to Dana Avenue and beyond. Today is October 17th, 2022, and we are bringing this show to you live. I'm Kayla Ross. And I'm Julia Lankish. On this episode, you'll get to hear the Newswire multimedia crew bring you the rundown on Blink, the Campus, campus Catch-Up, Radio and Film Rex, upcoming events downtown, and what's happening in the world. Let's get right into the show. Kayla's going to give us some thoughts on Cincinnati's Lights Festival, Blink. Thanks, Julia. The Blink Festival had yet another chance to light up downtown Cincinnati in 2022. The Blink Festival is a celebration of arts, culture, and diversity that takes place throughout the city and features many multimedia aspects, including lights, projection, drones, murals, and sculptures. Blink last occurred in 2019, bringing an estimated 1.5 million visitors to Cincinnati. The festival spans all over the city, from Fountain Square to Over the Rhine and the Banks. There were around 100 different displays of art, spanning about 30 blocks of Cincinnati. Blink is known as the largest outdoor light display in the world. Many different forms of art were created for this event, not merely painted murals and light projections. In the Cincinnati Music Hall, an organist played as people danced and took photos. In Washington Park, a maze of neon yarn hung as children and adults climbed through and took pictures under black lights. In Imagination Alley on Vine Street, colorful lanterns illuminated the keys of a piano as people played and crowds sang along. The new murals painted along sidewalks and sides of buildings were celebrated by many who saw them, their messages now being spread all across social media. Projections on city buildings were remarkable, even making the Hamilton County Memorial Building appear as if it were on fire. The new various exhibits all have specific meanings behind them. In the Weston Art Gallery, a new piece was installed reflecting on the connotations of the word black and white, illustrating a powerful message about the implications of language on race in our society. Near Fountain Square, a center celebrating Asian heritage was created temporarily with food, art, music, and sculptures created by the Xavier Art Society. This celebration of culture was called Asianati, emphasizing the importance and influence of Asian heritage in the city of Cincinnati. The sculptures created by Zaz were featured in the front of the display. Xavier Art Society is a community of artists in all forms on Xavier's campus. This organization is made up of not just art students, but also students who may have a common interest in creating or appreciating art. Xavier Art Society completed two large wooden sculptures, complete with lights. Eleni Antalis, treasurer of this society, said, We have made two 4 by 8 feet sculptures of a tiger and a dragon. Students would help come in and paint, but we also needed manpower to screw everything down because they were all pretty big. In total, 30 to 40 students were helping on these. End quote. Xavier Art Society used lots of creative resources for these projects, pulling students from the art department, students outside of the art department, and various professors interested in the projects. Nick Nyamar, president of Zaz, said, Going outside the Xavier bu- bubble and through collaborating with an organization outside of Xavier, we were able to demonstrate our art in the city, and it will be seen by people throughout the world. We are reaching people outside of the Xavier community and gaining recognition through social media. Getting all of these different disciplines of people to come in and help on this project allowed us to have a great final product, end quote. As president of Zaz, Nyamar coordinates events for students to express themselves. Blink was just one avenue for Zaz to share its creative capabilities. Nyamar says, we are for all majors and all skill levels. We will help guide you through it, and we are for all people at Xavier, end quote. Back to you, Julia. Thanks, Kayla. Now we'll kick it over to Chris with the Campus Catch-Up. Thanks, Julia. This is Chris with this week's Campus Catch-Up. Group Fitness has a new schedule for October through December. Be sure to either check their Instagram at Xavier Rec Sports for their calendar or check EngageXU on Tuesday at 12 and the SAC or 
the SAC, will be hosting their foosball and frisbee frenzy. Join them on the yard to make frisbee spin art and enjoy some inflatable sports games. Later that night, join the Spanish club for Salsa y Salsa and their Rupe Outlook at 7 p.m. They will be providing chips and salsa as well as how to te- teaching how to salsa. On Wednesday at 4.30, join auxiliary services in the CAF for Pumpkin Fest, a celebration of fall including pumpkin painting and baked goods. That evening at 6.30, join Alpha Psi Omega for a night of relaxation with coloring, puzzles, snacks, and much more for their Everything's All Right, a stress-free night. Blankets, pillows, and comfy clothing are encouraged. On Thursday, the Career Development Office will be hosting the Part-Time Jobs and Internship Fair at 10 a.m. Students looking for internships, part-time, seasonal, or temporary positions can connect with employers promoting their opportunities in the Gallagher Atrium. Students are recommended to wear business casual attire and bring copies of their resumes. For dinner, join Auxiliary Services at 4.30 in the CAF to enjoy a variety of seafoods. After dinner, join the SAC in the C2 parking lot at 7 p.m. to watch a drive-in edition of Top Gun with popcorn. While cars are not required, they are welcome. Finally, Family Weekend is here. From Friday to Sunday, a variety of events for both parents and students will be across campus, including four more showings of Xavier Theater's Something Rotten, with one show on Friday at 7.30, one on Sunday at 2 p.m., and two on Saturday at 2 and 7.30. Back to you, Kayla and Julia. All right, thanks, Chris. And now we're going to hand it over to Dylan with this week's Downtown Lowdown. Hey, this is Dylan, and on this week's Downtown Lowdown, the Cincinnati Zoo is having a Halloween event from now until the end of the month, so make sure to check that out. And then Monday night from 7 to 8.30, you can watch a great movie hosted at the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library, either on your own or with some friends. And then something a little more silly going on this week from 9 to 11.30 is the Simply Comedy Show. This is a weekly Tuesday stand-up comedy showcase hosted at Symposium in East Walnut Hills, and admittance is free every Tuesday starting at 6.30 p.m. There's actually a trivia night at Catch a Fire Pizza in Blue Ash, and that's also free to play. They'll have 30 20 and $10 gift cards for top three winners. And if you're looking for some live mu- music with your dinner this week, catch local artist Todd Hepburn playing the piano this Wednesday night at Arnold's Bar and Grill. And if performing arts is your thing, look no further than The Living Dead, a play based on a post-apocalyptic world and the band of survivors living in it. The Living Dead will be showing at the Cincinnati Shakespeare Company this Thursday night. And if you want to set your weekend off right, look no further than Woodward Theater. The Underworld Black Arts Festival is hosting Back the F Up Friday. This event is destined to take you down memory lane, you can hear Jerobi from the legendary hip-hop group, a tribe called Quest, um, DJ, and also enjoy UK videographer Vince's Afrofuturistic projections through the set. And this Saturday to next Monday, the largest coffee festival in the Midwest is taking place right here in Cincinnati with samples, demos, and live music. It's a can't-miss event for coffee lovers. From 1 to 6 p.m. Saturday, the Burnett Woods Park Advisory Council invites you to an afternoon of pumpkin carving and decorating event, including live music, games, nature education, and exhibits, face painting, a magician, and a food truck. And make sure not to end your week off hungry with Cincinnati's Fall Food Fest. The festival is at Finley Market from 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. and includes many fall foods and treats. And that's all for this week's Downtown Lowdown. Now back to you, Kayla and Julia. Thank you so much, Dylan. And now we'll give it to John Baldridge, who has our sports update for the week. Thanks, Kayla and Julia. 
It's been a busy week of sports. We'll start with the Bengals as they headed south to the Big Easy, where it wasn't pretty, but in the last minutes, Jamar Chase caught a ball from Joe Burrow to give the Bengals a lead as the defense was able to close it out and defeat the Saints in a win 30-26. The Bengals will see the Atlanta Falcons this week at 1 o'clock at home at Paycor Stadium. And what was the lead-up to the game of the year in the NFL? The Bills going to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs turned out to be a good game, but not a great game, as the Bills defeated the Chiefs 24-20 with a late pick for Buffalo on Patrick Mahomes to seal it and to give the Bills the victory. To the college front now, Tennessee knocked off number 3 Alabama and Rocky Top with a last-second field goal by Chase McGrath. Clemson, Georgia, and Michigan all stay unbeaten in their respective conferences. TCU goes to 6-0 with an overtime win of Oklahoma State, 43-40. Now over to what's going on in Xavier Athletics. Big East Basketball Media Day is tomorrow, where the Musketeers team left this morning to go to, Nor- to, go to New York City. Musketeers Madness is Friday and free and open to the open to the public with both the men's and women's teams in action in the Centos Center. In fall sports, the volleyball team won, won one of two games this week with and are back in action at on the road at Georgetown on Friday and on the road Saturday at St. John's. In men's soccer, the men's team stays unbeaten, tying DePaul on the road Saturday. And the men's team is 9-0-5 on the season and have three regular season games left and are at Georgetown on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Finally, in women's soccer, the Musketeers played at St. John's Sunday and tied 0-0. They go to 11-2-3 on the season and have two games left with starting at home on Thursday night against Providence at 7 p.m. I'm John Baldridge with Sports. Back to you, Kayla and Julia. Thank you, John. I uh, I also heard at the uh, the Bama-Tennessee game they, they threw one of the, uh, the goalposts into the river. So that's kind of fun. I'm not surprised. I mean, <laughs> no, Bama, I, no one really thought they were going to lose, I don't think. No, if I was a Tennessee student, I would also be ripping out the goalposts. Yeah. People were ripping out, like, the field, too. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And it was also fun to watch uh, Andy Dalton get uh, blown up by Joe Burrow. That was kind of funny as a, as a longtime Bengals fan, watching the Red Rifle get it handed back to him after six years of failure in Cincinnati. Anyway. Not that that matters. Now we'll, uh, we'll hear some Radio Rex from Kira and Lucy. Take it Thanks, Julia. This is Lucy Kramer, and this week on Radio Rex, I'll be talking about Joe's second album, Decide. Since the album's released a month ago, I have honestly listened to it on and on again. Something about the suave, psychedelic, almost fever dream-like sound entranced me. You know, I have enough pride to admit that for the past month, I fell victim to the artist's critical social commentary, calling out those who fall victim to the mindless rush of social media expressed in lyrics from his song On and On. The album truly is a wolf in sheep's clothing, much like the artist himself. Did you know that the 70s bowl cut and sunglass rocking musician who performed at Lollapalooza this year is none other than Joe Keery from Stranger Things? In fact, Keery has been making music long before taking on his Joe persona, spelled D-J-O, but pronounced like his first name, Joe, in 2019. Even his stage name is a disguise, distancing himself from the fame he gained from the silver screen. One of my absolute favorite songs from this album, End of the Beginning, is a heart-wrenching goodbye to who he was before the rise of Stranger Things in 2016. His lyrics are reminiscent of his time spent with his band, Post Animal, back in Chicago, and the support of his older sister, Caroline, who provided um, 
who provided support during this pivotal change in his life. The song serves as a callback to the third and fourth tracks featured in the album. The third track, Half-Life, is filled with self-analytical lyrics like, I fight the urge to search my name, and it serves as a medium to express the inner conflict that Kiri struggles with due to his sudden rise to fame. Kiri finds a balance between three different sounds with the, within this song. In the beginning, the vocals are soft and almost timid, creating a dark stillness, and later we're introduced to his more powerful vocals, although he never reaches a full belt but it is accompanied by upbeat synthetic rhythms and drums. During the bridge and outro, the vocals shift to a deeper electronic sound. Those lyrics matched with the auto-tuned vocals are representative of the anxiety-inducing voice in his head and the constant tweets and comments of praise from adoring fans that fuel his ego. The fourth track, titled Fool, shows that despite his throngs of adoring fans, as referenced in the previous song, he feels more like his only purpose is to be a source of entertainment, much like how a jester is entertainment for a king. But in the chorus, though, Kiri seems to accept the role he has found himself in because he has no one to blame but himself. Every time I listen to Decide, I notice something different. There's so much going on and that it, that it's almost overwhelming sometimes, but I feel like that maybe, um, have, maybe has been Kiri's goal. Somehow he has managed to create an entire album that sounds exactly like how dissociating feels, um, and Decide has a completely different sound from Joe's first album, 2020, which came out in 2019, but he still manages to pull it off. Whether you're a fan of Stranger Things, indie alternative rock, Joe Keery, or of 80s nostalgia, I recommend you check out this album. Next, over to Kira with the next Radio Rec. Thanks, Lucy. I'm Kira Hudson, and I'm talking to you about Hocus Pocus 2. It's October, also known as spooky season, and therefore the perfect time to watch some spooky movies. A classic Halloween movie that resurfaces every year is the 1993 Hocus Pocus movie, starring Sarah Jessica Parker, Bette Midler, and Kathy Najimy, who respectively played the infamous Sarah, Winifred, and Mary Sanderson. Parker, Midler, and Najimy all return to reprise their roles as the scheming witches in the new Hocus Pocus 2, which released on Disney Plus on September 30th. This sequel lights the way for um, a new era of witches and also pays homage to the original film through clever callbacks to the original movie while still maintaining a new storyline that first-time watchers can enjoy. Hocus Pocus 2 opens with a scene where we see the young Sanderson sisters in 1680s Salem, before they were witches. In the first few scenes, we also see the origin of the book, the one-eyed spellbook that Winifred Sanderson relies on to conjure spells and potions. The young sisters are then advised to avoid the spell Magicae Maxima at all costs, an all-powerful spell that would make the witches the most powerful in the world. Here we have a new motive for the Sanderson sisters and the challenge for our new heroes. A few scenes later, we are introduced to three new female protagonists, Becca, Izzy, and Cassie. Becca and Izzy celebrate Becca's birthday in the woods, of course on Halloween, and unknowingly light a black, a black flame candle under the full moon thus allowing the Sanderson sisters to return to Earth. Cue the first of many references to the original movie. The original movie and sequel both do an exemplary job portraying the culture shocks that the witches experience when returning to Salem after 300 years. For example, instead of using a vacuum for a broom as seen in the first movie, Mary Sanderson uses two broomas as her choice of flotation device in the new movie. In addition, the sisters are also tricked into thinking the Usir's Serums in the skincare aisle in Walgreens actually contain the souls of children. You do, not have, you do not have to have seen the original Hocus Pocus to understand or enjoy the sequel, though it is more fun being, being able to catch all of the clever Easter eggs that call back to the original movie. 
The funny dialogue, heartwarming ending, and the spooky Halloween theme make it a great movie to watch with friends and family. And if you're not a fan of spooky movies, remember, that's just a bunch of hocus pocus. Back to Julian and Kayla. All right, thank you, Kira. I watched Hocus Pocus 2, and I liked it, but I don't think it compares to the first one, personally. I can't say I've seen it, Have you seen the first one? I've seen the first one. Oh, it's, it's a Halloween. It's a Halloween classic, I dude. love Bette Midler. You gotta do, like, the, the whole Billy Bones bit. One of my friends was Billy Bones for Halloween one time. That's good. It's kind of hard to pull off, though. It's a I lot of makeup. I have all three Sanderson sister costumes in my dorm room right now, and I can't get any of my roommates to sign up, like, to... Do it with you me. have all of them, and they just won't. They, they just, just won't. won't do it. No, they just won't. That's that's trash. Anyway, <laughs> now on to Patrick with this week's what in the world. All right, what in the world is going on, Xavier? I'm Patrick Hayes, and I'll be your host for What in the World. Our first story of the week: A tourist smashes statues at the Vatican. An American tourist quote demanded to see the Pope while in the Vatican museums. When he was denied this request, he promptly smashed a Roman sculpture bust, knocking over another one in his race to escape from security. The man was then handed over to the Italian authorities, and the statues were turned into, excuse me, turned into experts for damage assessments. Our business story of the week, Amazon is devoting nearly a billion dollars into electric vans for Europe. This massive investment in electric vehicles resides with Amazon's mission statement of trying to be carbon neutral by 2040. Go Amazon! Talk about a shocking amount of money. I know I'm feeling jolts of excitement for Amazon working to save the planet. In other news, the NASA SpaceX Crew-5 mission has made it safely to the ISS. The mission included Nicole Anapau Mann, excuse me if I'm butchering the name, the first Native American woman to go to space. Before going to space, Nicole was a pilot and colonel for the Marines. Congratulations to the team for making it to the ISS safely. Our main story of the week, North Korea shoots off more test missiles, saying that these tests are practice for attacks on South Korea. While nothing explicit has been stated by North Korea about a nuclear test, many government officials believe that North Korea is preparing for its first nuclear test launch since 2017. The United States has stated that it will stand with South Korea and its other ally, Japan, looking to de-escalate the conflict before anything becomes out of hand. Last, but of course not least, we have our fun story of the week. A man from New York City has been charged with trying to sneak three pythons in his pants across the U.S.-Canadian border. The man was charged with the crime of federal smuggling, a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison, and a maximum fine of $250,000. It is not known why the man was trying to sneak the snakes across the border, but it is unlikely that he will be able to slither his way out of some type of punishment. His sentence will likely be very serious. That's all I have for you today, Xavier. I've been Patrick Hayes, and now you know what in the world is going on. Sliding it back to you, Kayla and Julia. All right. Thank you, Patrick, for that emphatic what in the world this week. <laughs> Listeners, unfortunately, that's all we have time for today in this episode of Newswire Live. Thank you for tuning into the show today. We would like to give a special thanks to Carolyn Youngquist, a music education alumni of Xavier, who produced the music heard in today's show. At this time, we'd like to give a shout out to our staff and guests who helped make this episode possible. Thanks to Faith Tacolvi, Chris Anderson, Griffin Brammer, Spencer DeTenley, John Baldridge, Lucy Kramer, Patrick Kays, and Dylan McDonald for their contributions to this episode. If you have any thoughts or feedback for the Newswire Multimedia crew, send them on our way to the email xaviernewswire at gmail.com. Find Newswire Live episodes and other content on YouTube. Search Xavier Newswire to find our channel. You can also follow our Spotify to hear archived Newswire Live episodes. 
our Debates and Discussion podcast, our Inside Xavier Sports podcast, and other student-led podcasts. Tune into our next episode next Monday at 6 p.m. Until next week, I'm Julia Lankish. And this is Kayla Ross praying for your sanity this Parents Weekend. Talk to you next time.